Blog Talk Radio. with the Jennifer Tebow Show. I should add the word sleepy next to it. If you're logging in on Ustream, you see my hair is all discombobulated. Um, you, you know that moment when you're very, very sleepy and you decide and you tell yourself, I can lay down for a little bit longer. It's, it's, it's that thing that convinces you in your head, you've got extra time. And then... Something else taps you. You don't know why because you're sleeping really, really good. Something else taps you and says, you know you overslept. <laughs> that was me this morning. One of the reasons why I wanted to go and not do live, um, a live show but a produced show for times like that when I just wanted to sleep. So I woke up later than I expected, and you should have seen the heroics that I just went through to get the show on. So thank you for being patient with me. I appreciate you every single day. I am Jennifer Tebow, and today is Monday, May 9th, 2011. It is 6 now, 6.03 Central Daylight Savings Time, and this is going to be the Jennifer Tebow Show for the next now 57 minutes. Uh, so I just wanted to explain again what this show is about. M- many of you who are used to logging in are used to hearing the Real Jenny, the Real Jenny radio show, which was the Real Jenny on People and Performance, the Real Jenny on Sports, and even the Real Jenny the Activist. And so just to explain a little bit about what this show uh, is, this is kind of a combination. I've smushed all the shows together. And now this is the Jennifer Tebow Show. So you're going to get a combination of politics and sports and entertainment and everything. I found uh, from those of you who gave me feedback, which I absolutely love, that everybody wanted to hear the show just kind of, you know, they wanted to hear different elements, but it was difficult to keep up with the show uh, three days a week. So try to smush everything into one show, broadcast it at 6 a.m. I know many people may not be able to hear it live, However, you have an opportunity to catch it on demand 24-7 on Blog Talk Radio, which is I'm broadcasting a simulcast on Blog Talk Radio, or Ustream, hello to my Ustream people, as well as in iTunes. So it's a great opportunity to hear the show or even see the show if you go on Ustream in multiple ways. Now, if you are, in fact, dialing in on Blog Talk Radio or you want to hear the show, because maybe you're watching it on Ustream, but you go, i got to get up and go to work, but I still want to continue to listen, which I love. You can always dial in at 347-637-1837. Again, to dial in to the Jennifer Tebow Show this morning, it is 347-637-1837. Well, we are fresh off of yet another Mother's Day. And there's just something special about Mother's Day. Uh, I just love it because when you go to church, uh, you normally see even the biggest, roughest, toughest men break down in tears when they play that one song in church that is designed to, you know, memorialize all mothers. You know, it's just something about moms. And, of course, I knew there was something special about moms when I was just a daughter, 
But then when I, too, became a mother, I certainly understood the full circle of life. So I wanted to give a special hello to all the mothers out there. Um, and then, of course, an even more special one to my own mother and my grandmother, who are still living. So I just wanted to say hello. Uh, they, The two of them spent their Mother's Day together um, in the state of Louisiana. And so it just I know they had an absolutely special time along with all of my aunts as they celebrated my grandmother and having yet another Mother's Day with them. I spent the time with my daughter, and I talked to my mother on the phone, but I spent the time with my daughter. So it was wonderful just to be connected at the hip. I mean, we literally were no more than a few feet away from each other the entire time. So that was kind of a fascinating uh moment for me to see that she was like, no, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> like, okay, that's great. And so we had a mother-daughter breakfast and, and just spent a lot of special time, so that's great. So I figured I would just add a, a, a couple of things just to put out into the airwaves, and I want you to dial in to, again, 347-637-1837. Um, my favorite daughter moment, um, my favorite daughter moment, that's me being a daughter, uh, I think was came around when I was about four years old. I'm think I'm guessing. I don't know the exact age. Four or five years old. Um, my mom and I were in a drugstore, uh, like a kind of a pharmacy. I don't want to say the name, but you know we know famous pharmacies that sit on 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 every corner. So I'm on this. So we're in this drugstore pharmacy place. My mother's buying all these things, and we got a cart full of stuff. And then her little baby, me, had to use the bathroom. And so she asked the store owner, um, you know, can my child use the bathroom? And I'm sure I'm sitting there wiggling and doing all that. And the employee told my mother, well, yes, we do have a bathroom, but you can't use it. It's for employees only. And so my mother says, it's not for me. It's for my little child. And, you know, my mother thought, surely for a child who is wiggling and, you know, needs his bathroom, then you would let, and the woman would not. And so my mother said, well, while you're using your employee-only bathroom, I hope that you enjoy restocking your shelves and left this car full of stuff. I mean, she was, she found probably things in the most obscure places in the store. Full of stuff, grabbed my arm, was like, come on, let's go. And, I mean, she was furious. She couldn't believe that the store wouldn't let a little girl use the uh, bathroom and and she probably doesn't even remember that moment in time. But for me, that was me realizing that, you know what, my mom is going to protect me and she was always going to look out for me. And so that was my, that was my, that's my favorite daughter moment. My favorite mommy moment was really right after my daughter was born. And, you know, your child is born and they hold your child up so you can see the baby and everybody else can. And the moment that they held my daughter up, and, you know, children cannot see very well. And But they moved their eyes around. And so it, to us, it looked like she looked to the side, almost like she was looking around. And then she kind of gave this, this, this half smile. And I know what you're saying. Babies don't smile that early. There's a few witnesses in the room that will corroborate this story. I And I didn't know that was extraordinary. At the time, I was like, cool. Because to me, it looked like she was like she looked out like, yeah, this is kind of what I thought it would look like. And she smiled. And, I mean, from that moment, I just fell in love with with my daughter. So that was my favorite moment as a mommy when I first realized how special that it was going to be to be a mother. So, all right, so that is that that rounds out my Mother's Day mommy moment. 
So now let's get right into it. I've got lots and lots to actually cover, uh, and you just won't believe all that happened since the last time that we talked. Because of that, uh, let's see. Well, hmm, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey um, has now fired her CEO of the own network named Christina Norman. Oprah and the Discovery Network are ownership partners, by the way, uh, of the network. She owns a percentage. I'm not sure how the split is, but it's Oprah and Discovery Network. That's like that, right? And so as you all may know, they launched OWN Network in January. And if you recall, there's a lot of hype about um, host your own show. And you remember doing contests. And, and even I submitted a video um, I did it really more so to encourage some of the people that I that I coach, especially some that I coach in into media broadcasting, to submit their own too. I figured, well, I needed to walk the talk, um, but even I did it, and so it was an interesting contest. But I, even I'm not watching the show. I mean, I didn't get picked, so not that exciting. <laughs> but. Apparently, the viewership has been really low. So if you get a slice of a viewership at any moment in time, it's very likely that you'll have only 143,000 viewers. And, guys, that's even low for a VH1. VH1 would be canceling a show if it was 143,000 viewers. So after five months of being live with the network, I'm sure Christina Norman was the CEO for longer than that as they were prepping. But after five months of, of being live, she's been fired. Um, the Discovery Channel COO, the COO, Chief Operating Officer, has taken con- interim control as the CEO of the five-month-old network. You know, I don't know. I think Oprah, once she concludes her show later in the month, that's May 25th, is her final show, I think she'll be able to focus more on the show and give some of her time and, and, and energy and who knows, maybe they're holding the show open or the position of CEO. Now, maybe they're holding it for Oprah. So when she's done with her show, she'll just jump into the CEO role. I don't know if that's what she wants to do. Um, I have no idea. But it, it will make for kind of some interesting moves in the next few weeks. So I'll be looking out for that. I definitely think that the, that the network will bounce back, and I certainly wish Oprah the very best of luck. All right, and next, in reality TV. Yes, I said it, reality TV. I don't watch much reality TV um, because I don't watch cartoons. Now, I know that's going to be like, ooh, like this big put down, but I'm not putting down reality TV, but it just it's not as, as real as I would like it to be. And growing up as a child, I didn't watch cartoons, just FYI. And my response growing up was I like to watch real people. I watch like the news with with my parents. I watch some cartoons, but just really not a whole lot. So, I all that to say, the Braxton family values love the show. It's like the exception to my rule. And so, you know, I enjoy it. It's you know for its entertainment value. For really, you know, we're getting an opportunity to see a glimpse into what is not, you know, this typical family, and it, it kind of dispels a lot of myths for what we think happens in an entertainment family. Um, the, the sisters are very colorful, but I still find them to be very real, and I love Tamar Braxton. Uh, I never knew 
that Tamar would have been this entertaining on television. Now, I have to add this caveat that I have I have met Tamar before. I've been in the same room. I knew that she would bring it, right? I, that I knew because she could bring it uh, live and in color in, in person. But this Internet code that Tamar talks is by far just the absolute best. So see, if you don't know, she always speaks in something.com or something.org as she explains some kind of emotion or sentiment. And so um, I'm going to reflect on, on some of the stories, and I'm going to tell you throughout the rest of the hour, what would Tamar say about that? What would Tamar Braxton say about that? Okay. So because she'll be like, oh, are you serious.com or, you know, and maybe it's just funny to me, but I just absolutely love it. So if it works, we'll see. You guys can tell me on Facebook and Twitter if it makes sense. All right, moving right along to politics, 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 politics. Show me the body or Osama drama. Which one Which one makes more sense? I, I don't know. President Obama said, no, we're not, I'm not going to show you the body. Are you serious? And so, you know, people, and I said this last week, I said, you know, some people are going to want to see the actual body. They're going to want to see it. And sure enough, uh, President Obama said no. So I've got a, a quick audio clip from the Associated Press about the situation. I'm going to just let you all hear that. President Barack Obama says he will not release a photo of Osama bin Laden's body. Obama made the comments during an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes, the president's first interview since U.S. forces shot and killed bin Laden. White House officials had been debating whether to release a photo, in part to offer proof that bin Laden was dead. But Obama aides acknowledged that the photos were gruesome and could be inflammatory. Bin Laden was killed Monday during an early morning raid on the compound in Pakistan where he had been hiding. Officials say DNA and facial recognition technology helped prove that the man U.S. forces shot was in fact Bin Laden. The U.S. buried the al-Qaeda leader at sea. Julie Pace, The Associated Press, The White House. Very good. Thank you, Associated Press from The White House. Uh, so, you know, there it is. Do we really want to see these gruesome photos? You know, I so supposedly photos of some of the other people that were killed uh, during the exchange on that Sunday night were released, which I find kind of interesting. So I don't know how those were released or if they were real or maybe if it was really that time. But I saw, I looked at those. I don't know why I did because I am not the, like, even go and watch horror movie type person, but I did. Those were kind of gruesome. I mean, you see people with pools of blood behind the head and all that, and you're just going, you know, if it's worse than that, I don't want to know. Now, um, as many of you know, um, the the uh, Islam tradition is to bury within 24 hours of of you dying, and so the United States honored his religion. And did that. Now, they dumped the body in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Apparently, it was so that there would never become some memorial of this is where Osama bin Laden lies. I kind of like the decision. Um, you know, I mean, we killed the man, and you honor his tradition, his family. I, I don't know quite what his family, what the, uh, what the response has been from his family, but you honor the, the, the religion. He did bury him. His family, I'm sure, obviously was not there for it, but they dumped his body in the sea. So supposedly he was shot in the head, and that's why the photos are so gruesome. 
They obviously have them. I'm sure there will be some edict that that the images will be sealed for 100 years or something like that. So maybe my grandchildren will actually see the photos, not that I really want them to. Okay, so most people are okay with the decision. And I said this last week, if for uh, for some crazy reason that you believe that the United States faked the death, faked the fact that, that we've killed Osama bin Laden, you best believe that man would have about five videos out on YouTube holding up today's newspaper, and he would have been, and he would probably have background dancers like, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. So um, the man is dead. I mean, it's been a week. Uh, he's dead. If, if he's not dead, he's so seriously injured, he's not coming back. So um, what would Tate Mar Braxton say about people wanting to see the dead body of Osama bin Laden? She would say, oh, you're so gross.com. <laughs> And that's truly how she would say it. So at any rate, uh, just kind of in politics, um, love the First Lady, uh, Mrs. Michelle Obama. Uh, you know, she is walking the talk with fitness. Uh, what has hit the you know, the video waves in the past week was this video where she, where they were playing with the Beyonce song. And it was about staying fit. And they had, like, this whole dance routine been doing all these latest dances. I don't even know the dances. That's how I know I've aged because I'm like, so what? The the Dougie? Well, well, who's Dougie and where does he live? So I'm out of it. However, Mrs. Obama is on top of it. So I'm sure her children are really excited that their mom was out there dancing. Hey, she's got rhythm and she's not afraid to, again, walk the talk. So I, I just absolutely love it. I think she's got lots of class. And I love that she is not afraid to interpret her role um, as the first lady as she sees fit and really not to fall, have to fall into a mold of what some other people have actually done. So um, just a special hello also to yet another mother, uh, first lady, Mrs. Michelle Obama. All right, so moving on into sports. Well, you know that sports is going to obviously dominate uh, the uh, show. I mean, how how could it not? How could this? How could it not? So, football and basketball. Now, most people obviously think I'm going to talk basketball first, but football is actually, I think, one of the most important. So, I'm going to stick with football first, and we're going to talk about lockout. All right. So, last week I said, are we locked out? Are you locked out? Or locked in? Or you know, what are you doing? Well, the lockout does resume. Negotiations are not moving along at all. Um, for active players, it means at this stage of the game, I mean, we're talking today is May 9th, so at this stage of the game, it does mean that the regular season schedule is, in fact, in jeopardy. And so, you know, it, it was looking like a possibility of business as usual if they could have come to a decision maybe around April time frame. But now we're getting kind of late, and the two sides are really very far apart. You know, we've got decertification. We have lawsuits, and we just have a bunch of legal filings. So Mike Dick had this to say about the lockout. He said, egos have gotten in the way of reason. He also says, I think common sense would be much better served if people would just think about the situation. Think about where they're at as players and owners in life and try to make this thing work. Um, He's also said in other instances that, you know, greed is really playing a part in, 
you know, where we are today in the negotiation. Um, it's really, really sad just to kind of watch the way that greed kind of plays out. I mean, greed never, anytime greed jumps into a situation, it's never going to turn out well. So I will say that. And I said this last week, you got to pull greed out of the equation so they can sit down. That's tough. That's, that's really, really tough considering that at the root of this with the owners, they wanted more money. At the root of it, they wanted more money, um, and they were trying to squeeze more out of the players, right? Instead of in, in, instead of the current schedule, they wanted to go to an 18-game schedule. And so, you know, they want more money from the players but make the players play more. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, it sounds interesting if you were adding up on a calculator where would it make sense for you. Um, they, by the way, that more money was like a billion more dollars to pay for those stadiums that they chose, you know, to uh, erect. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Growing up or even now, if I look out the window, children can play football outside. So I don't know why you needed the, you know, billion-dollar stadiums to begin with. But that was your choice, owners, as you were trying to flex. Uh, but what I will say um for retired players from that perspective, it doesn't mean active players are now getting a dose of what it feels like to be ignored. Um, you know, as I'm sitting down thinking like, wow, you know, poor active players, it must be rough to be locked out. Hell, retired players have been locked out. Hello? Retired players have been locked out of benefits that they, you know, had to me were entitled to. So it's almost like the retired players should be standing there like with open arms uh, as the active players are going, what in the heck happened? And the retired players should say, welcome to our world. So, um, you know, just wanted to kind of point that out. Now, a great source, if you, it's hard to keep up. You know, it's really hard to keep up with all the ups and downs of what's happening. A great source to learn about what's happening with the lockout and the issues that are facing all players, not just active players, but all players. Uh, what I, to, you know, and this is what I consider a movement. Um, is at datepair.com. So please, if you get a chance, not yet, when you sit down in front of a computer and you want to learn more about uh, the CBA and how it impacts all players, in particular retired players, please go to www.datepair.com, D-A-V-E-P-E-A-R, datepair.com. Hi, datepair. I just love the work that you guys are doing. Those are my buddies over there. Uh, they 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 deliver very fair information and very timely. They're always blogging, so we love them. All right, so today, by the way, is the big day that the ruling on the permanent stay happened. So if the permanent stay is granted, this will have to play out in courts. I mean, that's what's going to happen. I mean, we're all watching with bated breath. Also, there are some nasty rumors that the owners are prepared to simply go out of business. Go out of business. Can you believe that? When they say, you know what, forget it. I'm going to take my ball and go home. And that's really the terminology that people have been using. So that would be kind of a shocking move to say that they would decide, I'm going to go out of business. But they can. So this thing is getting crazy and crazier by the second. Um, all I have to say is, hey, D. Smith, you got any words of encouragement now? Uh, I know what Tamar Braxton would say, stop turning your back.net. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should put Tamar Braxton and Demora Smith in the same room, and whoever comes out the victor, that's who we're going to send in there to talk to the owners. I mean, I tell you what, I think she would just exhaust everybody and say, you know what, forget it. That is just my opinion. At any rate, on to something that is extremely serious, the results of the Dave Duris and Art 
autopsy are in. Uh, he did, in fact, have brain damage, as everyone suspected. Um, thanks to the Associated Press, I do want to play a clip of um, I do want to play a a clip of the recent press conference where they released the findings. Let's see. Let me get that that. Mr. Duerson committed suicide on February 17, 2011. He left a note and text message asking for his brain to be studied, reading, please see that my brain is given to the NFL's brain bank. He had expressed concerns about his mental health, and he shot himself in the chest, presumably to preserve his brain for study. Mr. Duerson began playing football at the age of eight, with 24 total seasons throughout his life, and played the uh, the position of safety in both college and in the pros. He had a minimum of 10 known concussions during his 11-year NFL career, according to his family. Several of these concussions have a loss of consciousness associated with them. He was never admitted to a hospital for any of these brain traumas. Prior to his NFL career, we don't know what his history of concussions are um, at this point. It is with mixed emotions that my family and I stand before you today. On behalf of my brothers, Chase and Brock, my sister, Taylor, and my mother, Alicia, I would like to thank the Boston University School of Medicine, the VA, for their hard work. Uh, through their efforts and God's grace, we have been given the gift of closure. There are a lot of very free and simple things that youth sports programs are not doing to protect kids. That would include concepts like preseason education for coaches on concussions using CDC materials, preseason education for kids, and the biggest change I think we could make to make youth football safer this fall would be a dramatic reduction in hitting in practice. I do think we are uh, with so much more to be learned and so much more to be understood that we are just beginning to climb that mountain uh, that will lead to effective treatments, uh, effective recognition of CTE in living people, and one-day cures. My father was a man of many accomplishments, both on the field and off the field. With these accomplishments came many battles. But despite the highs and lows of life, he was a man that had strong courage, and a man that had compassion for others. It is my greatest hope that his death will not be in vain, and that through this research, his legacy will live on, and that others will not have to suffer in the same manner. All right. So just an incredible, um, an interesting way, an incredible gift from the family to allow those findings to be shared with the world for them to really display their closure in front of us. Um, the significance of the finding, I'm hopeful that this tragedy really brings the taboo conversation to the forefront, which is that kids are getting concussions from very, very young. I mean, imagine starting to play football at five years old. If you have ever, and I was shocked, you know, I have a little girl, so I don't necessarily make it to little league football games. But if you ever make it to a game, I went to uh, a friend of mine. Her daughter was was a cheerleader for the Little League game. I mean, they go all out on these games, especially, you know, I'm in Texas, and football is really big here. But I, So I go to the game to support 
the family and her daughter, she's cheering, and, and she, you know, she's a gymnast, so she's flipping and all that. So I'm there for the cheerleader. You know, that's very unusual. And But I'm watching this game, and these little boys are hitting. I mean, you can hear the impact. Some of them look like they've gotten laid out. I mean, they're so little that you can just pick them up by, by, by their pads. And, I mean, they're playing their heart out because they're playing just like they saw on television. And so some of these concussions start so early in the developmental stages that you've got to imagine if you continue to play onto your professional life into a pro career that you've had a lot of concussions. And, you know, there is an impact to that. Uh, the brain is very, very resilient, but sometimes there are other things that can help the brain be resilient. So this is just Jennifer's three ways to combat brain injuries. Uh, no, I'm not a doctor, even though I go by Dr. J to, to a lot of my players. But, you know, this is my ideas, right? Change the rules and, the, and or the techniques, right? So you change the rules on how, on how things are played or the techniques. And Dave's son uh, talked about that, you know, perhaps having less contact in practice. Improve the protective wear. Improve the improve the tools that you, that you use to protect people. And then lastly, utilize existing therapies. Uh, there are all kinds of fantastic therapies that are out there that by and large aren't being used on large scale or that for whatever odd reason are not being sanctioned or approved through health benefits like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, HBOT, uh, HBOT. I'm going to talk much more about the, the different therapies that can be utilized um, for, as an individual player or that teams, that teams can incorporate to help their players heal faster and have lesser of an impact from those different brain injuries or brain bumps. As, as many people talk about in that world. But I just want you to be aware that I'm laying the foundation for that, and I certainly will have some of the great folks at DavePair.com, including DavePair, onto the show so that they can talk about it, as well as some, some great doctors that are doing some phenomenal things with doing something that some people say you can't do, which is healing the, the actual brain. So look forward to that in upcoming shows, but again, I do want to send my condolences to the doers and family. I do applaud your courage, again, for sharing the results with the world. All right, so on to basketball. Well, gee, what a week in the NBA. Could, could have, it have been any more eventful? So let's start here. Bulls guard Derrick Rose on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, was officially named the NBA's youngest ever most valuable player. So Kudos to Derrick Rose, who got the MVP award at 22 years old. Rose led the Bulls to a 62-20 and 20 record, um, the best in the league, by the way. The former Rookie of the Year um, averaged 25 points, 7.7 assists, and 4.1 rebounds in only his third season in the league. Now, he was somewhat criticized in the beginning of the season because he said, yeah, I want to be the MVP. Why not me? Why couldn't you be me? And I just thought to myself, my gosh, why are you all criticizing a person that sets his sight on a on a goal? That's that's what he did. We should all do that. That's what we should be doing. We should be walking into a company and saying, Yes, I want to be the CEO or the president. Why not me? So that's pretty much what he did. Um, here's what Dare had to say about um winning his award. Uh, it really was um I I think it was a great speech. So 
saying that I wanted to be MVP. I wasn't trying to be cocky at all. I knew that I put a lot of hard work in in the summer, in the off season, and I just wanted to push myself, and that was about it. And I want to thank the NBA, of course, for giving me this award because it means a lot, and it means a lot to the city of Chicago and the Bulls organization. I want to thank my, my teammates um, and the coaching staff because without you all, I will not be up here um, talking to you all right now. Um, you all push me every single day, making sure that I play hard and pay with, um, play with fast, um, passion and play team basketball. And last but not least, I want to thank my mom, Brenda Rose. Um, my heart, um, the reason why I play the way that I play, um, just everything. Um, just knowing that days that I don't feel like going into practice or I'm having a hard time, think about her when she had to wake me up, um, go to work, and um, just making sure that I'm all right and making sure the family is all right. Those are hard days. My days shouldn't be hard because I love doing what I'm doing, and that's playing basketball. So you keep me going every day, and I love you, and I appreciate you being in my life. Aw, he thanks Mama. I tell you what, that is a strong family unit. Uh, a lot of the statements that people are saying now um, about Derek is that he's just a very humble guy. It couldn't happen to a better guy. He certainly worked very hard uh, for for the MVP award. And so, again, you just like when the guy that just put his heart out and seemed like it's just everything he does on the court is so pure and for the sport of basketball. So congratulations to Derek Rose. Blake Griffin of the Los Angeles Clippers grabbed the Rookie of the Year award with unanimous vote, unanimous. And so Griffin averaged 22.5 points and 12.1 rebounds per game this season and was named to the All-Star team. He was also memorable, if you, you know, if you think about it, during this year's NBA All-Star for dunking over a car, a Kia, no less, and winning the slam dunk contest. So he's, you know, he was supposed to be this phenom. He was like the high school slam dunk king. So he had to come in and just really show out, and he absolutely did. Love to watch Blake Griffin play. Also, Bulls head coach Tim Thibodeau, uh, and they always say Thibodeau, by the way, picked up Coach of the Year honors as well. He is the fourth coach in the franchise's history, in the Bulls' history, to win. Thibodeau joins the ranks of Johnny Red Kerr in 1967, Dick Mata in 1971, and Phil Jackson in 1996. He only won one time. It's kind of shocking. So now, if he would only figure out that he's misspelling his name, Tim, now you know your name is Tebow with an X. I mean, between you and I, you can go ahead and admit it. Uh, but at any rate, he's you know he he did win the the uh, Coach of the Year honors for the NBA. So congratulations to that. He also obviously held the best record. His team held the best record in the NBA. All right, this week represented what I call a changing of the guard by every stretch of the imagination. I'm just going to say it like I know to say it. Down goes the Lakers. What? Now, 
obviously, I'm a Dallas Mavericks. Well, it's not obvious I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan, but I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. So I'm really, really excited about the fact that the Mavericks have advanced on to the Western Conference Finals. They had to get through the Los Angeles Lakers to do it, and they did it. But, I mean, they did it with a broom. I mean, it was like, ooh. I mean, the first three games, okay. But that fourth game, you talked about locked and loaded eyes on the prize. So, as many of you know, Phil Jackson talked about this being his last season. Obviously, he was chasing the uh, three-peat. He talked about that in his press conference yesterday, that it's always fun and thrilling to chase the uh, three-peat. He didn't specifically say, and he said he wouldn't answer if this was going to be it, but by all stretch of the imagination, he's probably going to at least take a break from basketball. So the Lakers got swept. I wrote it down three times. I know you can't see it, but the Lakers got swept. The Lakers got swept. The Lakers got swept. <laughs> so Kobe looked mad. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. The team looked discombobulated. Phil looked a little disconnected in game four and then disbelief. So games one through three were somewhat close encounters of the good matchup kind. But game four in Dallas on Mother's Day was really more like watching Goliath actually win. So the Mavs outplayed the Lakers. They outshot the Lakers. Heck, they even broke records scoring NBA playoff record with 21 three-point shots. Jason the Jet Perry was the big show on three-point shots, scoring an unbelievable nine and tying the single-game playoff record. And by the way, he did that by the third quarter. So I was really crossing my fingers like, okay, he's got plenty of time to break the record. But, you know, the game was not about breaking records for the Mavericks. It was about advancing, and that's what they did. Also, Peja Stojakovic was not too far behind. I believe he had six. And even J.J. Barea got into the mix with a late fourth quarter three. It was just like... Okay, even when little Mike Mike gets in there and shoots the three, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that when you fin- once you finish watching that game, it makes you go into your closet, get your basketball shoes, grab your ball, because you think you can do it too. I mean, I and of course, to the Mavericks' credit, they're so skilled that they made everything look so easy yesterday. But it was absolutely, it was absolutely great. Now, the story of the fourth quarter was what I call of the thuggish, ruggish stylings of Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum. So Lamar got ejected for a hard elbow to Dirk Nowitzki. And then seemingly seconds later, Andrew Bynum, standing at seven feet tall and 280 pounds, I might add, elects to throw a forearm at J.J. Barea. Now, he's listed at a foot short. JJ, are you really six feet tall? I mean, between you and I, I mean, I'm a shorty, so you know, I'm five feet tall, so I'm I'm two feet shorter than Bynum. Are you really? I mean, because you really do look shorter than six feet tall. Then somebody threw out that you were five foot two. I kind of believe it, but he's listed. If you go to NBA.com, he's listed at six feet tall, and he's listed at 175 pounds. I'm not no. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'll give you a couple of extra inches. I'm thinking five four, five five, and one forty five, maybe one fifty wet. That's what I'm thinking. But he's listed as six feet tall and one hundred and seventy five pounds. Are you serious? Bynum, what were you thinking? And why Lakers, why are you going after poor poor little Borreo? I mean, what has he done to you? 
probably frustrated you because he was just whipping around the court and making you look stupid. So, you know, I mean, it's sad when our test goes in the game, right? He goes in in the game. Um, uh, he goes in the game to really restore order is what the broadcaster said after those two ejections happened. Ron Artest, really? You mean the same Ron Artest that got ejected from game two? Again, for attacking and almost all but mauling J.J. Barea? Really? Ooh, Lakers, when you need Ron Artest to restore order, you know that you are in trouble. And what's really sad, you know, Bynum was just so, it just looks so ignorant as he takes his shirt off before he even leaves the court. And let me tell you, ladies, if you don't follow sports, if you saw what happened, that's one of those where somebody should have handed him a turtleneck as he was walking out the court. Most definitely he shouldn't have taken off his shirt. Now, what I found was interesting, uh, Kobe's immediate response to that was, you know, I don't know why they did it. I really think they must have come up and said, okay, this is what we're going to say. And I don't know, maybe they asked Tamar Braxton because I think she, I think she told them, well, just tell them that you were embarrassed.com because that's what they said. They said, um, in response to their thug play and their thug style in the fourth quarter, they said, I was embarrassed. Who gave them that reason? Now, look, you seven feet tall and seven foot one. You're too big to be embarrassed. This is not your first time getting blown out. The final score was like 122 to 86. This is not the first time that you lost miserably. You're too big to be embarrassed. You, had, you needed to pick something else. You needed to own up to the fact of not I was embarrassed, I was frustrated. And I chose the wrong way to display my frustration. This is out of character. This is not what a professional basketball player should do. Those should have been the words coming out of your mouth, not I am a seven-foot-tall baby, and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed, so I fought. Really, that's what you want on the biggest stage to show? I just look for both of those players to have a major suspension in the start of next season, and they need it. Honestly, I'd make them give their rings back, or actually I'd make them give their rings, last season's rings, send them to J.J. Barea and Dirk because, of course, both of them were the brunt of the thuggish, ruggish style. Make them send it to them for you know, half a season. And then, and, and then, of course, it should be on display at American Airlines Arena in Dallas. They should do some big homage to the stupidity of the thuggish, ruggish style. you got to make an example out of them. Either that or you should do like some of those moms do and make them hold up a sign. I, I'm so stupid. I said I was embarrassed when, unfortunately, I mauled the good Dallas Mavericks. I just had to stand on the corner, like in Dallas. And just make and let people drive by. I would go for that one too. But at any rate, embarrassed, please. All right. So also in the Western Conference, we saw the matchup of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Memphis Grizzlies. So a critical game three that would shift power for you know one of the sides. And unbelievably, the Grizzlies you know fell to a 16 point deficit late in the third quarter, and it was looking like all but a foregone conclusion. But this is the NBA, and playoffs is where amazing happens. So to the disbelief of Thunder fans who were like, okay, this is going to get good. They probably felt like, you know, the Mavericks fans felt as we were watching it. To the disbelief, at the end of regulation, the game was tied. And they were headed into overtime. Well, how did they get there? Well, the Thunder, who scored 76 points, by the way, at the end of the third quarter, were held to only 10 points in the fourth quarter. And guess what? In overtime, in 
the five minute overtime, they only scored seven more points. So, yes, you know how this ends. Memphis pulls out a win in overtime, 101-93. The coach of the Grizzlies, uh, Coach Holland, this is what he said. He said, we were fortunate to get this win, but that's the playoff. In order to go further, you you always have experienced games where you have to do something miraculous in order to win the game. And I thought this was a, a miraculous way that we fought back after being down 16. Now, you know it can't be miracle on 34th Street every single time. That's just not going to happen. But you love the miracles. You absolutely love them. So they won. All right. So moving forward, um, oh, sorry, the next game for the two clubs is actually tonight at 930 Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time on TNT. Um, Memphis now leads the series two games to one. All right. So the Celtics played Game three this past week and pulled out a win over the Heat, 97-81. to We saw not just a win, but also Rajon Rondo all but obliterate his elbow on live television. Uh, you know, he went out seemingly for the rest of the game, potentially the the season. I mean, if you watch it, I can't even watch it anymore because it just looks so, looks so horrible to just actually see. But he hyperextended his, his elbow. You could see it very clearly on the replay. He goes out, but he comes back in. It's, it's, it's like he came back in with this theme music as he's just trying to be this, you know, this, this hero to help his team win a game because they were down two games. You know, the series walking in was two zip. The Heat were up, so they really needed this win. So fast forward, the the MRI is negative. Um, he he did hyperextend his elbow. It was painful to watch. He, it was somewhat sore, but he was on adrenaline. He admitted that right after the game. They said he is much more sore um, you know, the day after, and so who knows what will happen. But he did contribute four more points and really helped to rally his team. My only negative comment about that heroism, and mind you, you know, love Kenny, Charles, and Ernie, and Chris Webber. They talked about, especially Kenny talked about this was the single greatest moment in sports history that you watch a person be this heroic for their team. My only negative comment about it is that the line between courageousness and stupidity were blurred, okay? And just follow me because I love Rondo for what he did, but sometimes kids in sports emulate their heroes, okay? So thinking it's okay to play hurt. And so if that happens, you know, that I think it's kind of partially why we're in the space that we're in with football, you know, people say, oh, there's no room to cry. Don't cry. Get up and go back out there. And so, unfortunately, sometimes we sacrifice our bodies, and it hurts us in the long run. So I just hope that some sports star will stand up and say, Rondo, you know, thank you for giving it your all. But kids, you know, youth, uh, pro players, if you can't go out there, you know, or at least consider the ramifications. I mean, Rondo may have messed up his elbow for life, for all we know. But somebody, I hope, stands up and says, look, you know, it's it's not okay to play hurt if you're hurting yourself and hurting your potential career. So that's the negative comment that I will say. Again, you know, to his credit, he was able to overcome quite a bit. And so, you know, that is respectable, but you have to think about the long term too. All right. So the next matchup for the Celtics and the Heat is, is actually today at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Boston will be in Miami trying to even up the series now at 2-1. All right. The Hawks defeated the Bulls in game four, 
The tie of the series with a final score of 100 to 88. It now boils down to the best two or three. I, you know, I, my heart goes out to us. I wanted to see the Bulls win and go up 3-1, but that's not what happened last night. The Hawks were stronger in the end. I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was a close matchup. But at the end, it was just it was the Hawks game. Derrick Rose is still a joy to watch, and I'm looking to see the Bulls come back with a vengeance in Game Five, um, which is set to be played on Tuesday, May 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time in Chicago. So, what would Tamar Braxton say about all this about all these basketball games being played? I think Tamar would say. I could have sang the national anthem dot com. Why didn't anybody ask me dot com? <laughs> I'm so bad. Okay, I'm gonna stop there. But love Tamar to death. Okay. So I do wanna give a shout out as I'm watching time kind of wind down. I wanna give a shout out to the NBA team over at TNT. The core team being Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith. We got Ernie plus Chris Weber. Um, they've kept me thoroughly entertained. I got to say this a couple things because I always tend to pick on Kenny. You know, Kenny played for the Houston Rockets, and many people know I grew up in Houston. And so it was nice to see Kenny come and play once uh, in the 90s once once we won our two championships. Just had to kind of throw that out there. But, uh, you know, Kenny with his big screens, if you haven't seen TNT, and their, you know, their halftime reports and their, you know, pregame, postgame is hilarious because Kenny will go to this huge screen that's, like, larger than life, and it's like he is the same size as the players. So it's kind of funny. But he looks, he's looking a little short, so I think he needs to, like, make his screen a little bit smaller. But at any rate, he goes out there, and he's trying to show people what they should do. It's unique. You know, it's different from being able to do the X's and O's or just drawing on the actual screen. So, I, you know, I don't know it's different, but it's so funny because he has to walk so far to get to it that watching him do that walk is just like, oh, here, you know, here, here Kenny goes. It's like the biggest kid on earth that wants to stand in front of the screen and be a part of it. You know, I think it's kind of cool. It is different, so very creative. So, hey, Kenny, I want you on the show. Now, I, I love all you guys, but I'm thinking that Chris is a West Coast person, so this would be really early for him, 4 a.m., and so I wouldn't try to press Chris to get there or Ernie. I know Charles is not waking up this early. But, Kenny, you owe me. So I'm putting out there on the waves. You owe me from back in the day, back in the day in 2000. Um, we were all attending a film festival, and there were just these, like, persistent, persistent women. And when I say persistent, I mean persistent. And so everywhere he went, they were, like, right there trying to, you know, get them to buy, you know, them a drink and all this stuff. So, finally, he came to me, like, saved me. And that was our first time meeting. And I didn't, you know, I mean, obviously I knew who he was, but I had never met him. He was like, please save me. Like, act like we're friends. And it was so funny. And we still, every time we see each other, we still laugh at that. Because I was like, uh-huh, I saved you from those women. So, <laughs> but he's a great guy. Love the historian that is Kenny Smith. Absolutely love him a great player, but honestly, I think he's even even more fun to watch as a broadcaster just for his breadth and his depth of knowledge. So, Kenny, I want you on the show. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I've got it on Ustream. I've got it on Blog Talk, and this is even going in in iTunes. I'm going to hit you up on Twitter. We we are Twitter buddies. We're truly Twitter buddies. We actually DM each other, and I'm going to tell you that I put that, that challenge out there on the show. All right, so 
that's really all that I had planned, believe it or not. Gee, this went um, really, really fast as usual. Uh, I've got a, a I've got a couple of a couple of wiggle room minutes, so I just wanted to point this out to you. For many places around the uh, around the country, it is voting time for some key positions in political office. So please, please, please get out there and vote now. If for some reason you're like, gee, I want to vote, but I'm not registered, then take the opportunity, if you're not registered today, to register. You're not going to be able to vote in in these elections that are coming up in, like, days, but you will have an opportunity to participate moving forward. So let the current, so let the, you know, the, the, the idea of voting, let it inspire you, whether you go out there and vote for the key political positions in your area or you register, uh, really important to have a say. Uh, when I you know, was having conversations this past weekend and I heard about some people getting, and we know these, these stories exist, but just the reality of that some people fought really hard just to be able to have you know, a ballot, a voting ballot, just to have a voice, their own voice and their own say in their community. You know, I can't believe that some people would just sit idly by and just not vote, or and even worse, not even register. I mean, not even registering says, I don't even want to have a voice, and I just don't know how you get to that point. So take the time this week, go out and vote or go out and register, one of the two, because beyond this upcoming election time period, there are going to be some more that you're going to want to participate in, namely the 2012 elections. Um, So I just wanted to give that plug, especially out in Missouri City, um, and when there are some important board elections for the Fort Bend Independent School District, so hello to everyone there. Uh, we've really been stressing in that area for everyone to go out and vote. That way, when the big decision comes up about the fate of Willow Ridge High School out in uh, the Missouri City area, when it comes up, the people who are making those decisions are the ones that you voted in, uh, and, and are the people that you're familiar with as well. So. Voting starts a relationship with the people in office. That's the beginning of the relationship. So really important for you to consider that you want to be a part of that relationship. All right, so three minutes left. That's my time. Um, I'm very grateful that you elected to listen in. Um, Next week I'm going to have some guest star interviews. I already have those scheduled, so I'll be playing them um, you know, it's really difficult for people to wake up at 6 a.m., and obviously it was hard for me, too, as I, you know, woke up at 5-something like, oh, no, you know, so <laughs> I will have some prepared interviews, and uh, I'm hoping to get um, a certain Gary Payton on the show prepared, because for Gary, Gary's on the West Coast typically, so this 4 a.m. is just, I wouldn't ask anybody to actually come on and do that, but I'll get him during regular hours and kind of have his take on what he sees is, is, is uh, happening with the actual NBA. You can always check me out on JenniferTebow.com. That's one of the best ways to kind of see what I'm doing. It's, it's got links and, like, you know, like tendrils to, to everywhere. So please check me out, JenniferTebow.com, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-T-H-I-B-E-A-U-X.com. <laughs> dot com as Tamar would say, but really it is JenniferTebow.com. How can you support this show? Some people have asked me that. 
while obviously Blog Talk Radio, to listen to Blog Talk Radio is free, to watch it on Ustream is free, to listen to it even on iTunes is free. So how can you support the show beyond doing the free thing, which I absolutely love? It, you know, hey, if you're interested, there's tons of great products on JenniferTivo.com. Books, there's audio books, et cetera. By the way, filming is still underway uh, with calling an audible. It's going phenomenal. I've got some new updates. I can't quite tell you yet. seconds. I've got some new updates that I think are really exciting and that I can't wait to release about um, some a new person coming on board with me um, as I'm filming this documentary. So stay tuned for that because that's going to be a huge, resoundingly huge announcement. Uh, I am on Facebook, you know, facebook.com forward slash Tebow. I'm sure that's what it is. And I'm on Twitter in a lot of different ways. If you go to the underscore real underscore Dr. J, the real Dr. J, the underscore real underscore doctor underscore J. I don't know, I don't know why I did all those underscores. Well, that's what it is. The real Dr. J. I'm on Twitter. You can just Google my name and Twitter, and you'll find my Twitter account. Jump in on Twitter. You can always catch this show live Mondays at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. To listen in, always at 347-637-1837. You can catch it on demand again, Blog Talk Radio, Ustream.tv, iTunes. I'm Jennifer Tebow. I'm not the message. I am not the messenger. I'm the connection to people, information, and resources. You guys have more than a phenomenal week. I look forward to jumping into your living room very soon. You guys have a fantastic day. 